Hey, everybody. Jim Minnery with I'm Glad You Said That. That's the name of the new show. It's not a new show, but it's uh, a new name for Family Matters. Uh, we're going to take a, probably a little a while to get that uh, out clearly and consistently because we've had Family Matters as the name of the show for so long. Uh, we've changed the name to I'm Glad You Said That, Jim Minnery Talks Faith and Politics, um, because there's a few other Family Matter podcasts out there with that same name, and we just wanted to be a little bit uh, unique and distinct and something that um, you know we could we could uh, rely on for the next little while as we try to expand the program. Anyway, um, the the reason why I, I even have that as a name is that's typically what I'm thinking a lot of the times when I'm most of the time when I'm interviewing folks on the show, which is every single show, is that I'm glad people are saying what they're saying on the show because uh, it's good stuff. And my wisdom is limited and uh, as well as my intellect, but I am blessed to be able to chat with some of these folks who really have a lot of great things to say. And um, week in and week out, we just really appreciate you being there. And in fact, uh, today uh, we have another one of those great voices um, in the country. It's a national voice. His name is Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr. You may have heard of his father. You may have heard of Joseph, actually. Um, but anyway, he is a clinical psychologist. Um, his father, Joseph Nicolosi, um, who passed away in 2017, was also an, uh, a clinical psychologist and was very involved in reparative therapy. Um, and you'll, you'll, go to, uh, you'll go to Wikipedia, and no surprise, they, call, they would call it pseudoscientific. Um, and his son has carried on the tradition um, and is actually involved with uh, another group uh, his father was involved in the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality. Um, his son, Joseph Nicolosi, uh, Nicolosi Jr., um, is actually with a program called the Breakthrough Clinic. And uh, um, he's a fascinating individual. He's, he's based in, in California and really has a heart for people who are genuinely seeking help regarding same-sex attraction or really any kind of addiction. Um, and, you know, there's there's some fascinating things that are going on. You're not going to hear them in the mainstream media, of course, because, in fact, they're trying to um, call it pseudoscience. And it's kind of like COVID. It reminds you of people that are, um, you know, attempting to just get their own treatment regarding ivermectin or hydro, hydroxychloroquine. And we have some local doctors here who are under salt for that. People who want that kind of treatment have every right to get that kind of treatment, especially, and in, in, in fact, uh, in both cases with Dr. Nicolosi uh, Jr. and with uh, some of these folks who I also know um, locally who have dealt with people with COVID, it works. Um, imagine that. And choice is a wonderful thing when it's uh, when it fits the narrative for the left, but oftentimes it, um, it doesn't. And uh, Dr. Nicolosi has wonderful stories about people who have genuinely um, and on their own sought out help for these kinds of attractions. He deals with other issues like drug and alcohol abuse and and um, binge eating and all sorts of things. But a lot of it turns out um, has to do with trauma. Um, and one of the things that we'll talk about is that uh, the left 
you know, you would think that there would be an agreement that anyone who has some kind of a childhood trauma shouldn't carry that around. They should address that. Um, And whatever the outcome may be, maybe they end up still having that same sex attraction um, or, you know, changing their gender uh, through... (laughs) through surgery or, you know, you can't change who you are biologically, but you can, um, anyway, the point is, is that, uh, what Joseph, uh, Nicolosi is doing, uh, with his, uh, uh, center and, uh, the breakthrough clinic in, in LA is, is giving people hope and giving people the ability to, um, to deal with things that they want to deal with. It's not coercion. It's not being forced on anybody. And I just think it's a, a wonderful story. And that's why we had him on the show. To, we have him on the show today. So stick around for the final three segments with, uh, Dr. Joseph Nicolosi of the breakthrough clinic. And uh, I think you'll be um, you'll be educated, of course, and, and hopefully you'll be inspired uh, by what we have to say and or what he has to say, essentially. Um, so, what's going on uh, across uh, you know the state? Obviously, um, you know the parental rights issue is at a forefront right now. There's there was a an issue or a, a gathering with the mayor. Um, some of the more conservative or the two conservative mayor uh, members of the assembly um, regarding, uh, you know, what it is that parents can do. They're obviously under assault right now by the FBI, uh, the the uh, who has who have classified or are trying to encourage the uh, United States um, Attorney General and, uh, and President Biden to in, enact the Patriot Act, which is was designed for domestic terrorists. And so uh, because of, they say it's because of a, a few people, and I, I would grant that there's a very, very few people who have gotten violent. Um, I, I think it's, um, you know, one or two in the entire country. In fact, the guy that was hauled off, if you remember, from Virginia, who was a parent, uh, was uh, his child, his his daughter was assaulted by someone in the Loudoun County School District uh, who, it was a boy who identified as a girl and it was it was horrific and they they buried it basically and then when he went to the, the school uh, board meeting to try to advocate for his daughter he was hauled off and they, and they made a case of him. He was a poster child for, well we took care of it, we took care of these kinds of people who walked into the school board and uh, are disrupting our our meeting when in fact what they really did was bury the case of someone getting raped in the school district and then eventually move that uh, individual who was the perpetrator to another school district. So they're actually now that um, that uh, governor, former governor Terry McAuliffe lost and Youngkin was um, was elected governor and uh, and and the the attorneys now the, the the I believe it's the attorney general who's going after the Loudoun School District for being reprehensible and possibly liable for covering that case up. So um, it's it's an issue that's going on um, across the country in terms of parents getting involved. Last week we interviewed Lee Sloan with the Parents' Rights and Education Group. Um, you know, we truly uh, are seeing a moment in our country in terms of uh, parents on both sides. I mean, that's why it's called the parent party. If you've heard that term, uh, it, it has nothing to do with being liberal, conservative, or, or uh, Republican or Democrat. It's people that are standing up for their rights, their fundamental God-given right as a parent to oversee in every way the 
the upbringing of their kids when they when they drop them off at school uh, regarding health issues. So it's exciting time because uh, we have elections coming up, and, and and our our intention is to be able to use what happened in those other states um, and uh, and carry that forward over to uh, some elections coming up next year right here in the great state of Alaska uh, at Anchor, in Anchorage, and, and there'll be other um, communities as well. So um, stay tuned as we uh, will likely be endorsing candidates fairly soon um, and uh, informing you about some of the, uh, the beliefs and policies that they support regarding your rights as an Alaskan. So, hey, folks, we're, we're going to take our first break. Like I said, we're going to be with uh, Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr. here right after this break. Uh, we're always thankful for our friends and supporters over at Rieger Physical Therapy. That's Rieger, P-T, R-E-G-E-R-P-T.com. Tell them that uh, you, heard, uh, you heard about his uh, clinic on I'm Glad You Said That. And I'm Jim Minnery with uh, Alaska Family Council. Stick around. We'll be right back here on KVNT and KATB or wherever you podcast. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Jim Minnery here. The name of the show, we've changed the show, as you uh, have heard about, hopefully. By now, it used to be called Family Matters, and now we're calling it I'm Glad You Said That with Jim Minnery. And the reason why I bring that up or the reason why we change that uh, that language, just so you're familiar as listeners out there, is that there were a few other Family Matters podcasts and groups, and we just thought, let's try to uh, do a specific branding. And uh, I'm glad you said that is typically what I'm thinking most of the time when I'm interviewing our uh, our guests on the show. And I'm, I'm very grateful to have Dr. Um, Joseph Nicolosi Jr. on the show. Uh, uh, Joseph, thanks so much for being on. Um, I'm glad you said that today. Thank you. Well, like I said, we've we've got so much to cover. You just sent me some things that I hadn't seen before. I'm excited about them um, in terms of a lawsuit to to stop some of this slander and defamation that's going on against folks who are really out there doing their best to try to help people struggling with same-sex attraction and other issues. Um, but before we get into some of the details, why don't you give folks sort of the 30,000-foot level of who uh, who you are, who Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr. is, maybe a little about your dad, and, and what brought you to the journey where you're at right now. Okay. Well, um, that is 30,000 foot. Um, so um, let's see. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist uh, practicing in Southern California. Uh, my, my father, who passed away a few years ago, he ran the largest clinic in the world. Uh, he was also a clinical psychologist. Uh, largest clinic in the world that worked with men with unwanted same-sex attractions. Um, and um, we have, uh, gosh, I've, I've treated many, many people at our, at our clinic. A recent study has come out um, on the effects of our work. Um, and basically, the, the work that I'm doing, reintegrative therapy, is a trauma treatment. Uh, we treat traumatic memories using evidence-based methods. And we have seen, among many other byproducts, but one byproduct that's garnered some recent attention is spontaneous significant decreases in male same-sex attractions and spontaneous increases in, in 
male heterosexual attractions, as well as a significant shift toward a heterosexual identity, um, and the client's psychological well-being seems to improve all simultaneously. Of course, the mainstream media are ignoring this, um, but the evidence is, is now strong, and there are other studies that have come out uh, recently showing uh, how, through the course of trauma therapy, uh, significant sexuality change can occur. Yeah, this has been kind of one of those things on my list for a long, long time because we've tackled it from the policy perspective in terms of, you know, battling SOGI laws that that uh, discriminate against people with deeply held convictions. We're still doing that with federally with the Equality Act, um, but we've we've tackled it from the the policy side, but always lurking behind the scenes in my view. And, and, and in fact, I've, I've had lots and lots of conversations over the years with individuals who identify as gay or lesbian or, or transgender um, or bi. And, and, and that, that this always comes up in terms of, you know, why is it that uh, there's this guilt trip that's thrown on those who, who are in the LGBT community and they, they think of it as a religious matter um, and certainly we would, we would agree from a Christian perspective that the Bible is pretty clear about um, the issue of sexuality and, and what is best for human flourishing in terms of God's um, design. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 I think that you could probably verify that it's not always about someone's religion. It's, it's what's best for that individual regardless of its, if it's from a religious perspective or not. Are you seeing that some of the folks who are coming out of that lifestyle or at least wanting to address the issue because they're not comfortable in that lifestyle and they want some change, are you sometimes seeing that having nothing to do with their faith or lack of faith or having anything to do with, at all with God? Yeah, so basically clients come to us who have same-sex attractions, and they say that they're interested in treating these traumatic memories, and, and they're, they're interested in whether this will have an effect on their sexuality. They usually have three motivations. Um, the first is people who were sexually abused when they were young, um, and those, they come into therapy. They say, look, this experience I went through left me with conflict, confusion, and unwanted attractions that I want to explore as an adult. I want to work on this. Other people come in, and they do have a religious background, but uh, not always Christian, Muslim, Jewish. Sometimes we get Buddhists, um, uh, and they say, hey, you know, I believe I was created heterosexual, and uh, res respect for my beliefs means that I have the right to explore heterosexuality if I want, and I don't want the government interfering with that. Um, I want the right to explore that in the privacy of my own therapy. And then the final uh, group uh, the final motivation is individuals who aren't religious, they weren't sexually abused, but they'll say, for purely pragmatic reasons, you know what, these attractions don't work for me. I want to try something else. And so those are the three basic motivations that we have. Um, and then you mentioned earlier different perspectives about same-sex attractions uh, and how we approach this. I think there's probably also three lenses that people look at this uh, homosexuality through. On the right wing, the more right-leaning side, it's people look at it through a primarily moral lens. On the left wing, they look at it through a more socio-political lens. And here I am as a clinical psychologist um, saying, look, I'm looking at these things through, uh, through a, a childhood a development lens and, and looking at, at, at each individual's perspective psychologically. And um, 
the only middle ground that I think all three groups can hopefully have in common is that the client should be in the driver's seat, as you kind of alluded to earlier, Jim. Clients should be able to pick their own therapy goals. And as a psychologist, I say, look, I'm not a moral arbiter. I'm not here to, this is not a religious therapy. Um, this is not a socio-political therapy. This is a trauma therapy. But I also won't back down from the fact that the research shows that for some individuals, treating traumatic memories will have very significant effects on their sexuality. And that's something that uh, people are not being told about. So we offer the exact same treatment to everybody. It doesn't matter what their religion is or their sexuality. Um, it's treating traumatic memories. Oh, that's well said. I mean, it's it's bizarre that... Um, I sometimes, uh, you know, I, and I've met my share of individuals in the LGBTQ community, one of my best friends growing up um, now who, who's still openly gay. I haven't talked to him in many, many years, but I've always had just wonderful conversations as long as we can just like, stick away from politics and, um, you know, but not dive deep into some of our disagreements on different things because the ones that I've had relationships with and um, are, are very thoughtful and introspective and fascinating. And so I, I, I find it kind of strange that there's such a, a backlash um, and such a, a horrific pushback that folks like you and your father um, uh, have to deal with because you're, you're seriously, in fact, that's part of the video. When you sent me the video and there's that one individual, I think he was maybe at a gay pride uh, event or something and just mm -hmm. saying, listen, as long as it's um, something that they want to do as individuals to, to the betterment of themselves, why would we be opposed to that? Um, we should want everyone to kind of be fulfilled and um, and if that means that they want to explore heterosexuality, um, then then so be it. Let them have that, um, you know, as an opportunity. And I guess, um, you know, lots of different questions. But I, it, it, it's, it baffles me that you're not having to deal with uh, protests every day in your clinic or at your mm -hmm. clinic. Is that something that you uh, mm -hmm. face? And is that a part of the mix? We sometimes get it. We'll get it online. We'll get the occasional email or phone call. Um, I kind of brush it off. Um, I'm not going to let it slow me down. Uh, you know, the truth has to be spoken. People need to know about the science of what's going on. And I think what you, what you just brought up is a good distinction between uh, liberal and leftists. A classical liberal says, look, I don't know. I'm for gay marriage. I'm for, for people picking their own lifestyle, but I'm not going to stop a person who wants to explore other options. I'm not going to become authoritarian um, and try to limit those individuals. And so um, a lot of the legislation trying to stop this, these kinds of therapies are really taking the power away from the client. And really it's about the client. The client should be in the driver's seat of their own therapy, not even the therapist and certainly not the government. Um, and I think this is a wedge issue here between um, what many people call classical liberals and the, the far left. Well, so uh, one of the quotes that I love, or not necessarily a quote, I mean, although I'll read one to you, but I'm sure you've heard of Rosaria um, Butterfield, and, and she's written extensively on her experience out of the lesbian lifestyle and into relationship with Christ, and I love most of her reading, um, uh, reading most of her stuff, but one of the quotes that she said is, a heartbroken by Jesus asks the Lord to make him or her godly, not bless his natural desires. A heart broken by Jesus prays, Lord, make me yours, not Lord, give me what I want. Um, and yeah. so, 
would it be accurate to say that some of these folks are not going to necessarily get rid of those attractions? Um, and and it, it can happen, but it's like someone who deals with with self-centeredness or anxiety or anger or, or any other issue. They may not get rid of it, but they are not called to embrace it and and help it to flourish. Is that accurately stated? I, I think that's fairly accurately stated in terms of um, uh, in the psychotherapy, the person is pursuing wholeness and wholeness may look different for different people. And so, yeah, this is certainly not a behavior modification. Where, and people tried that in the 60s and, and 70s and uh, trying to, to do behavior modification. Um, our clients pursue wholeness in their life. Um, and, that, and then, yes, they do often notice the sexuality change as, as part of that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a byproduct like, like what Rosario has talked about in her writings. Well, folks, we're uh, we're speaking with Dr. Joseph Nicolosi, Jr. He's the originator of reintegrative therapy, and uh, it's a specific form of psychotherapy that treats traumas, um, but has also uh, shown to have these spontaneous sexuality changes that we'll talk about when we get back here on, I'm glad you said that. So stick around. Um, we'll be right back and, and talk also about a, a, a lawsuit that's going on right now in this um, exciting new arena. So uh, we'll, we'll be right back. Thanks for being there. Jim Minnery with, I'm glad you said that, the name of our new program. And we are, uh, it's not a new program, but it's a new name for our old program, Family Matters, that you've been around listening to for a while. We have Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr. on the program today. Um, and your dad uh, was someone, I, I read uh, his book, I, uh, I, mean, I know he's written many, but um, I, I've read one of them, I know. And there was basically a national movement that was formed um, that, that was passed by legislatures across the country, uh, even local governments, including my own Anchorage Assembly here, about banning so-called conversion, conversion or reparative therapy. What's the difference between um, the reintegrative therapy and the reparative or conversion therapy mm. that uh, folks have talked right. so much about. Is there a difference? And if so, what is that? So let's draw the distinction right now with the, the, the two names that are being talked about the most now, conversion therapy, so-called conversion therapy, and reintegrative therapy. So, so to, conversion therapy is a term that's broad, ill-defined. There's no ethics code, no governing body. It's often practiced by unlicensed individuals. It's just a very, very broad term. And many activists have been using that broad term uh, to their advantage. What so-called conversion therapy is praying for somebody um, in your Bible study uh, that they would uh, have attractions uh, only toward their spouse, their heterosexual spouse, and if they have same-sex attractions. Is that a form of conversion therapy? How broad? It's a very, very malleable term. Contrast that with, with reintegrative therapy. In reintegrative therapy, the client is in the driver's seat. The licensed therapist uses evidence-based approaches, the same evidence-based approaches that we see in other clinics throughout the world to treat these traumatic memories. And as a spontaneous byproduct, the science shows, longitudinal, large-scale evidence shows 
that it does, in fact, lead to significant shifts in sexuality. Uh, we have all that information on reintegrativetherapy.com. People can go to re- reintegrativetherapy.com, click on science, and look at the new study and the other studies related to this topic that people are just not being told about. This is being completely ignored by our mainstream media. We talk about so-called sexual fluidity, but there's another component to sexual fluidity, which is that some people experience movements toward heterosexuality. And the science is just not being discussed. Yeah. No, that's that's a wonderful way of putting it because it's not logical or rational to talk about the fluidity of gender and sexuality, which is so prominent in the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, that you could change at any moment or through a, a period of time. But if it's a, if someone that you would say uh, is a homosexual that is, um, that is, that is altering their course toward heterosexuality or, you know, going in that direction based on whatever reason, um, I, I don't think, you know, I understand that there's been some uh, some horrific things that have been done within the body of Christ, within the uh, conversion, you know, therapy movement over the years and some of the electroshock crazy stuff that no one that I know um, has ever endorsed or has ever thought as anything other than horrific. And so we, we acknowledge that right from the beginning, um, but th- that it's a one-way street. And so that should, to thinking people, wake up a lot of, uh, of minds to say, well, why is it that they're only concerned about going in one direction? Um, and I, I don't know if there's an answer to that other than uh, it, it's, uh, from my perspective as a Christian, and I wrote about this recently regarding uh, the Republican National Committee. This is kind of getting into some political weeds, but I just wrote about it in terms of the Republican National Committee embracing the LGBT log cabin Republicans and, and establishing a pride coalition and all those different things. I think it's because marriage and sexuality are very, very um, important to um, our, our creator, to God Almighty, and that um, confusing people on that issue and keeping people um, uh, um, in the dark in terms of what it means to truly human have human flourishing is one of the, the one of Satan's best deceptive ways to keep people um, down. And I, I know that that was going to upset a lot of people to even hear that, but what would your take be in terms of, or are you seeing individuals in the LGBT community that are saying, listen, if you help people, obviously that one person in your video did say it, but is it very, um, does it happen very often where those in the LGBT community tell you, I'm just glad you're doing it and you're helping people? Yes, yeah, some people do. Some people say we really are committed to empowering people. And if that means leaving the gay community, that's fine with us. So those voices are not being heard very often. I mean, you're not going to go on Twitter and hear a viewpoint like that. But that's absolutely, that's in, it's in our, our documentary. Um, many LGBT individuals are saying, sure, we don't, we're not trying to force you into anything. It, perhaps it's that they're the leaders of the LGBT movement who have the the, the hypocritical stance of welcoming individuals into the gay community, but then trying to block those same people later on when those individuals want to leave. That's hypocrisy. Yeah. That's bullying. And, and in the name of, of, of anti-bullying, some of these radical activists have become the real bullies. And that really segues into this lawsuit. 
um, that we're now working on. Um, and the, the, at the heart of this lawsuit is basically that scientists, I believe, have a responsibility to protect the scientific record from political activists who would seek to corrupt that record. And recently, some political activists who were masquerading as objective scientists, uh, they wrote a medical journal article, injected their gender politics into the article, and misrepresented the facts about how sexuality can actually change. So on my behalf, uh, attorneys uh, in the last month or so filed a, a federal lawsuit to protect the integrity of my scientific record and to counter these political activists who are attempting to corrupt that record. And as we were saying earlier, you know, sexual fluidity, it, it, it can go in any direction. Um, and so people deserve to know the fact. People deserve to know the scientific record without it being contaminated by the work of radical activists. Well, are you, are you seeing anyone in the, I can't imagine, but any uh, pushback in the um, therapy community um, who would say, listen, if they're not, they're not masquerading as it looks like one of them is, uh, is a, a doctor, um, and the other one doesn't, isn't listed as a doctor, but they are, when you say that they're masquerading as therapists, are they actual therapists or are they, you know, what's, what are the, what are the details yeah. on that? Yeah. So they are political activists masquerading as objective scientists. So when they publish their data, and we see this with many other activists, they do this. In the, in the peer-reviewed uh, reviews, when you, when you submit a, an article to a peer-reviewed journal, you should say publicly if you have um, any conflicts of interest, right? So if Pfizer, or I don't want to wade into a, a COVID thing, but I'm just trying to pick something that everyone can, can illustrate. If Pfizer puts out some kind of medication and secretly they've been taking money uh, or giving money to those very participants that they haven't shared with the peer reviewers, readers of that medical journal, they need to know that. They, they, should, they deserve to know the truth. Or if, uh, a, um, if, there's, if there are these, these conflicts of interest, we call it. And so these particular authors said that they had no competing interests. That was a lie. They're actually open political activists. One of them is a political organizer. And, and these papers that they're putting in the scientific literature, which is very biased, uh, is, is an emblematic of what's going on in other areas in the scientific field, where it's actually political activists who are, den who are falsely saying that, oh, no, I, I, I don't have any competing interests, no conflicts. And they are political activists, and that's why they're, they're doing this work. And so people who are more fair-minded have to stand up and take these individuals to court. Amen. I love the fact that you're challenging them. What are your, what is your, uh, your, uh, you know, prediction now? I know that's going to be a long process. Has, have, have the, have the arguments been made in court yet? This is in federal court, right? In the, is it the Ninth Circuit? It's federal court. Yes. Um, I believe it's the, yes, the Ninth Circuit. Yeah. Well, that's very, well, I mean, we're, we have one of our own, uh, Morgan Christen, who used to be, um, we actually had her recuse herself from a Planned Parenthood case because of some of her background on, on abortion. So, uh, but she's from Alaska and is on the Ninth Circuit. It's not certainly considered a, um, a conservative court or a, no. a constitutionally minded court. So that means that it may end up 
being, uh, I'm guessing, uh, it would be a difficult haul to, 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 to think that you might get that victory there, but it then would go to the Supreme Court. Have, you, have Thomas More Society folks said that they are willing to go that far if, if they lose in the ninth? Absolutely. We're, we're totally prepared. We're totally prepared. We're not backing down. We're completely prepared for this. This is a fight worth, worth having. We, we must stand strong when our scientific literature is being contaminated by these activists. And this is, you know, we have no choice. We have to speak up for the truth. I mean, this is about public safety. This is about the individuals and the public knowing the truth about their options. And, Amen. Um, yeah. Well, we're going to take our next really... break here, Joseph. We're going to yeah. take our final break. We're yeah. speaking with Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr. here on. I'm glad you said that. Um, we'll be right back, folks, to talk about a few other areas that he's working in. It's really fascinating to me, and I just think that you know, the more that we can get information out there, the truth always is good to have out there, and that's one of the things that you're doing. So we appreciate that, folks. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back. Jim Minnery here on I'm Glad You Said That, formerly Family Matters. We're speaking with Dr. Joseph uh, Nicolosi Jr. He's a California, Californian, uh, uh, I don't know if it's psychotherapist. What's the official, uh, your title, I'm sorry? Clinical psychologist. Clinical psychologist, and he's actually now. Um, I, I, I just read that you're also. Uh, I'm not sure if you're leading it, but you're a part of the Alliance for Therapeutic Choice and Scientific Integrity. Um, that was formerly North, right? That is now um, changed to a new name. And is it doing? Uh, I mean, is it is it a robust group? It, it's a it's a separate group from what I'm doing. Um, and uh, they are a group that is working on, um, I think they're kind of working with scientific studies that uh, are in some ways politically incorrect, and they're willing to host meetings and, and talk to authors, and uh, much of it has to do with this topic that we're talking about today. Well, and are you, you're also, by the way, I mean, I went to the name of the uh, clinic that you're at in California is um breakthrough is that correct yeah the breakthrough clinic yeah in southern california and okay. um, people can learn more about the therapy by going to um really ultimately to reintegrativetherapy.com reintegrativetherapy.com join our email list if you want to know more we're releasing a video series where you can actually watch the process step by step we break it down this is, the, this is what it looks like, treating trauma. These are the effects on sexuality. This is what we mean when we say it's a byproduct. Um, this, is what it, this is what it actually is. Um, so we've got our email list. People can click on the science page and look at the, the plenty of information about how sexuality can, in fact, change um, and the, much of the research is just not being talked about. Well, and it's not just sexual attraction issues. It's also, I mean, there's binge eating, um, there's alcohol and yes. drug abuse. I mean, this, this obviously, you know, the, it's a response that people have. I'm no psych, psychotherapist, but it, it seems to me that it's, it's simply a, a coping mechanism at some level. They have something that occurred, and not everyone is that way. I mean, I'm, I'm the first to admit, I know some people that have said every single person who uh, struggles with same-sex attraction has had some kind of abuse. 
um, you know, at, at an early age. And I don't know if I'm convinced of that. Um, I, I think my view on it is that we all struggle with sin. And, you know, to say that you struggle with a certain sin um, that was caused by some trauma that you had early on, okay, well, that's, I get that, but but everyone has to struggle with something. It's a cross to bear. Um, I remember when some when someone asked me, what do you think if, if Paul um, in the one of the apostles basically said, he said, what do you think if the, the when Paul asked God to remove his struggle um, three different times and three different times, God said, nope, I'm, uh, you're made perfect through your weaknesses. You're made strong through your weaknesses. I'm going to leave that one with you. And no one knows what that struggle was. Someone said to me, what if I told you it was same sex attraction? And I said, well, no one knows what it is, first of all. So we're just, this is just d- discussion for discussion's sake. But I would have no problem with that because to me, the operative word was struggle. Um, if he struggled with same-sex attraction, I don't care. If he struggled with pride, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's We all have to carry something and and figure out how best to manage it. And I mean, so in your in your um, work, are you finding it? Because you, you certainly talk about um, folks who say all of a sudden they are now having heterosexual feelings that they may haven't had in a while. It's almost like a reawakening. Um, and others, I'm, I'm guessing, have had to just keep struggling with their same-sex attraction and and push through it and use that as their cross to bear and and, and denying themselves and, and drawing closer to God in that way. Um, I know that it's not always a, a religious or, or faith-centered conversation that you have, but are, are you seeing both sides of that where some people are, are sort of uh, brought into a new light of, of their attractions and all of a sudden they're attracted to same-sex or to, to opposite-sex um, individuals and then others who just have to deal with their same-sex attraction but are happy to, 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 to go on that journey of continuing to struggle but to, to deny themselves? I think I see both. I think I see both. It depends on the client. Um, my clients often have some, some commonalities. Um, uh, and you can watch it. When people, if people want to do a deep dive into this, then just go to reintegrativetherapy.com and watch one of the videos. I mean, um, someone can describe all the scientific studies that they want, but it really comes down to seeing these men, seeing their lives, um, and letting them tell their story really is even more powerful and more accurate than me telling it for them. Um, but, yes, there are some commonalities here that we see. Um, many of my clients describe a feeling, uh, a chronic longing for male attention, affection, approval, chronically yeah. longing for that and having not gotten that. And for many of these individuals, they will say, when I, when I feel like I'm more connected, in fact, I did this, just uh, talked to a guy this afternoon, uh, same kind of thing. When I, he said to me, when I feel connected with my, with my close male friends, my attractions decrease. And uh, this is this is uh, part of his story. And he didn't feel like he got the connection with other males in his life. And he believes that he has eroticized those needs um, and that those erotic needs had a, something, a basis. There's, a, there's an emotional driving fra- factor that comprises that, um, that in him. And that's for him, the words he used, I think it was uh, the words he used earlier today was a, a, a dark emptiness inside of myself. And I want that filled. And when I have it filled for him, he said, in, in my male connections, when I feel securely connected, um, that is really what I'm looking for. Every man is different. Every, these men have different stories. But that was the guy from earlier this afternoon that really dovetails in with what you had said earlier. 
about um, about these kind of uh, wounds. I think was the word that he used. Well, I'd love one of your uh, on the and again go to reintegrativetherapy.com. Um, if you want more information on this, and I, I love one of the quotes that you have uh, on the page, um, Joseph, where it says, rather than using therapy to change sexuality, this therapy treats traumatic memories. Sexual Sexuality changes are a byproduct. Um, and then a client, one of the client testimonies below that in a different paragraph says, my therapist never tried to get me to change my sexuality or who I was attracted to but instead helped me to process traumatic memories from my past that had brought me shame and fear. It was difficult to work through my memories, but after some time I started noticing my attractions beginning to shift. Um, and I just, I just see um, nothing but good in this, um, you know, because no one uh, should have to carry that burden and that pain, whatever trauma they had at an early age. And unfortunately, it's very common in today's world and in every world, really. I mean, sin is, has been around since the beginning, but it's, it sure seems like, um, you know, that there could be some agreement of, of uh, we talked about Bruce, our friend that used to be at Alliance Defending Freedom. And that was one of the things that she always told me was, let's try to find an agreement um, point before we move on mm -hmm. to some of these deep discussions of disagreement. And it seems to me that one of those agreement points in this whole movement would be, don't we want to help people remove that uh, burden of trauma at an early age? It wouldn't, you know, regardless of whatever the outcome ends up happening, don't we all agree that people shouldn't have to carry that burden? Doesn't that seem like logical? And why are we not having everyone jumping up and down saying, thank you, doctor, for what you do? Mm -hmm. You mentioned something important about agreement statements. And I think that most people, you and I and most people would agree that everybody should be free to find therapy and support to help them achieve their desired goals and outcomes. And everybody should be free to live a life consistent with their values. And in yeah. many cases, that means the right to walk away from sexual practices, regardless of what they are. But, but everyone has the right to walk away from sexual practices and experiences that don't work for them and to have support to do so. And um, in the client-therapist relationship, the client should be in the driver's seat. They set their own goals, which the therapist helps them achieve. And politicians, political activists, these individuals have no business telling people that their therapy goals are, are illegal or, uh, or, or shouldn't take place or that, it, that they're fooling themselves and it will never work. They have no place in the therapy, uh, in, in the therapeutic relationship to, to make those kinds of judgments. These clients deserve the right to pick uh, a path that works for themselves, that aligns with their values. Amen. That's wonderfully said. And unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this. I told you it goes by fast. I'm really hopeful that we can stay connected. I will promise you that we will do our part um, through this uh, podcast and radio show and through our Ministry of Alaska Family Council and Action to get the word out about what you're doing because it's uh, it's so important and um, and so wonderful to see these people that are finding um, a new start. And so Dr. Joseph Nicolosi, Jr., I can't thank you enough for being on the show today um, and can't thank you enough for all the work that you're doing. Um, stay strong and uh, God bless you. And, and, and we really um, look forward to staying connected and, and we'll be praying for your court case. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. 
Okay, God bless everyone. We'll see you next week on I'm Glad You Said That here on uh, 89.3 if you're listening there or KVNT or on podcast. So we'll see you next week and uh, have a great weekend. God bless.